Aloha. Good morning. Good afternoon. Depending on your time zone, even good evening. I'm Ryan Ozawa, Emerging Tech Editor of Decrypt, and I am joined here by intrepid and talented and incredibly handsome, although you can't yet see the video. We're working our way up to it. Jason Nelson, how are you doing this fine day? I'm well, sir. How are you doing? Fantastic. You know, it was raining just suddenly and torrentially here in Hawaii, but of course, you just need to watch the news and see people dealing with slightly colder weather than we are, and it's... Uh, it's hard to feel bad about not seeing the sun for a few hours. Well, we're we're supposedly getting ours starting tomorrow. It's supposed to rain for a week straight in LA. Oh my gosh! So that, that should be interesting. Yeah, well, it is the season. Well, we are here to not talk about the weather. We are here to talk about emerging technologies and uh, artificial intelligence primarily, but any other fascinating cool things coming up we've talked about longevity and life extension biohacking we've talked about space because we're both kind of space cadets but uh, I, I think we can start as we often do with ai and last time we talked about the rabbit r1 you know created by danger labs this really cool piece of hardware for artificial intelligence well it turns out artificial intelligence hardware might be a thing this year what do we got now well, yesterday we covered a developer named Matt Webb who's created an AI-powered clock, which it's not a clock in the traditional sense where it just shows you numbers. But what this one does is it uses ChatGPT to randomly generate poems every minute. And each poem contains the time in the poem so that it's still technically a clock. So, you have to read it, but it gives you the time. Right. So, for example, with steam that rises, a cup so fine, 941, it's coffee time, is, <laughs> is the one that was used. Now, that, that's interesting because it's, it's, it's what's known as ambient computing, where it's not something that is telling you, hey, look at me. It's just always around. So it's it's clocks, it's stoves, it's refrigerators, it's washing machines, things like that. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he pointed out that a major concern is what happens if the company you're plugging into to get the AI goes out of business. Then, then what? <laughs> <laughs> so well, think, it would I not be the question. Yeah, it would not be the first piece of hardware that you would get that after the service goes away, it goes away. I kind of, I mean, it. it's hard not to see it and we will do more video. Uh, we're experimenting even right now with a new platform that will allow us to do video, but it's like this e-paper, like Kindle-like box that sits yeah. on your desk or your at nightstand. Um, I When I was like, it doesn't show the time, what are you talking about? But you're right, it spells it out. It's kind of funny. So yeah. At, for for this price, what was it like three hundred bucks or something? Well, um, like one hundred and fifty for the uh, Kickstarter. Um, yeah, that's 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 kind of impulse buy territory. I mean, the the, the Apple Vision Pro is not like, oh, let me try that out. Uh, but well, this is definitely a novelty. But I think it's cool because as for for uh, for us hackers in in the audience, you know, he the original version of this was a Raspberry Pi and an e-paper display that he yeah. put together i mean that's pure hacker you know that that that's something you do in a makerspace and <laughs> it was very interesting that he's he 
was able to pivot that into something that's that could potentially become mass produced and be something people all over the world, or at least in the UK and United States to begin with, will have sitting on their shelf one day. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can see because he started with like this sort of hacker aesthetic and a Raspberry Pi and all that kind of stuff. Why couldn't it at some point do additional things like show notifications or text messages or something like that? I think, you know, he might be onto something because I've been seeing, you You know, you watch, you see all those same ads on TikTok shops and Facebook for like cool desktop displays that show you your Facebook counts or like a little light bright. If anyone remembers light brights that kind of show these things. So I'm into it. I'm into it. And definitely using AI and getting something new is pretty cool. <laughs> Shout out to light bright. I used to have one of those. <laughs> yeah, me too. I remember thinking they were so magic and it was just like black car, black construction paper over a grate. <laughs> all right well let's go to something else that you have become sort of the go-to reporter i believe in the space of ai versus hollywood in part because you can catch a train at least and get down and visit the picket lines for example during the sag after after strike but it sounds like uh there's sort of if you can't beat them join them going on here with this uh hollywood studio what's happening well it's more about having ways for performers to be able to monetize their likeness. Um, because what you're having is like we saw last week with the whole Taylor Swift fiasco. Oh boy, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, well, yeah. So you have an image that's being manipulated. Well, let's back up a bit. Let, let, sure. Let's talk about that for a second. So last week, Taylor Swift's um likeness was used in ai generated deep fake pornography basically and it flooded the internet and it became so bad that twitter had to disable the ability to search for taylor swift's name that's how bad it got yeah so what this is is uh, the talent agency wme is partnering with an AI startup called Vermillo, which basically adds a uh, kind of like a tag to images that are uploaded uh, online that says that this image is legitimate, that this image is of this person. Uh, they didn't really go into much detail about how it works, but essentially the way it works is you are searching for a picture of Ranozawa. Your picture Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 lovely mug of yours comes up, and this little note will be on it that says authenticated by tracer ID or something like that. And that way, if that your face shows up on something else, if it doesn't have that tag, it's fake. Hmm. So it's like We've talked about it before. You can either try to hide watermarks in AI content, which requires the AI maker to cooperate with this scheme. And I don't see how it benefits them to do that. Uh, or you make it so that you can authenticate that a real human was involved somewhere in the workflow to make what you're looking at. So that's where they're going. Certified and human. <laughs> right. And and that's I got into a bit of an argument with some friends online about the, the how realistic that is. Because I, as an artist, 
can put these poison pills in my in the code of the picture I upload to the internet. But in order for it to become something that happens across the internet, then not only do the AI generators have to ingest that image, but the scrapers that they use to collect the image has to ingest it too. So it's not as simple as me putting this code in and go. There's quite a few more steps involved in order to make this a viable option for uh, creators to protect themselves online. Yeah, the kind of the opt-in is where you're going to get stuck because if someone doesn't support the scheme, then it doesn't really matter. It's just like putting watermarks on your photos. And now AI is very, very good at removing watermarks on photos. Watermark, so right. like watermarking is not a foolproof technology. Still, I do like, I think you talked to another company that did this exact same thing. It's like, we're, we're going to help you copyright the data that is used to make your AI visage. And as a result, you can own that. You're not just owning your image, but you're owning the math that is involved in creating your image. Right. Well, it was it was more about owning the math because it it's you can't <clears throat> you can't copyright what you look like, and it it's it it's a weird it's a weird legal thing because you have images of people that like if you take a picture of somebody and say I took this picture. I own the copyright to this picture that I took. That's like when you go to uh, Shutterstock or right. Getty and you have to pay to use that image. That's because that image is owned by that company. But they don't own that actor's appearance, that image. So right. what, oh my God, what was the name of that company? I'm trying to remember that article. <laughs> Googling frantically. But yeah. yes. So what they did was they basically said, we're going to store the characteristics of you. So if that image that gets generated ends up looking like you, you have a legal recourse to request monetization, the recourse of being taken down because it looks like you. Right. Metaphysic Pro. Metaphysics Pro. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So, man, we've been all over this stuff, haven't we? <laughs> I, think you're the, I feel you're the go-to reporter in this space. So uh, that's excellent. Well, um, what else did we cover? Well, there was uh, our, our good friend, Brian Johnson, who you actually got to talk to, everyone's favorite or not favorite, I don't know, infamous biohacker, <laughs> billionaire biohacker. And um, one thing that we've been seeing more and more of is sort of like the last great big thing and the new great big thing coming together is crypto plus AI. So he's getting into NFTs. Is that what's happening here? <laughs> uh, Brian is cool people. Leave, leave Brian alone. Um, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is he's working with a digital artist um, to create a line of NFTs on the Solana blockchain. Uh, Solana is a very popular blockchain for this type of thing. Um, second only to Ethereum, really. And it's about his uh, his don't die um, motto. And it's a series of NFTs that go to that um, motto plus his whole longevity um, thing. Right. <laughs> and it's called The Blueprint. Uh, it's by... Uh, What's his name? Dijon Poet is the name of the artist. And it's through Drip House. And ah, yes, it's, Drip. A, 
it's actually a was a free uh, NFT. You just had to have a drip account and then go through the process of redeeming, but it was in a, a small window. So I'm not sure if it's still actually going as of right now. Airdrop. But airdrops are very popular. And <laughs> I, I think airdrops are probably, the concept of airdrop is actually probably more popular than the concept of, of NFTs, just because everyone loves free stuff. <laughs> and these things just drop into your wallet if you're eligible. Yeah, um, but you can airdrop NFTs. You can give some give away NFTs too. Like yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just think it's funny that NFT specifically is still kind of like this radioactive, toxic word. Like everybody just remembers that was kind of a scam thing, so nobody really wants to be. <laughs> nobody wants to get into. That's, it. Yeah, that that's kind of the. I, I've, I'm hearing that actually more and more um, because a lot of, for some reason, well. What it is is because NFTs have been associated with scams, pump and dumps, cash grabs, and things like that. And it's a dirty word. The I the the thing isn't a dirty word. The idea isn't a dirty word, but the name NFT tends to give people a bad taste in their mouth. <laughs> so now people are calling them digital collectibles. Uh, I think ordinals are digital artifacts. You know, they say right. they're not saying they're saying anything except NFT, <laughs> and that's basically where we are right now. After what NFTs are what about almost ten years old? Technically, yeah, it's, it's, my friend is so into this Top Shots thing, right? Which yeah. is essentially, I mean, it's not at the core of it an NFT, but it is essentially the idea of an NFT, and. Whenever I say the word NFT to him, even though he's the biggest fan, I mean, he lives in the uh, Top Shots world. He even runs a community forum for Top Shots fans. <laughs> like, you use the word NFT, it's like, no, that's not it. You know, it's like, it's like completely mislabeling something. He's offended by the poss possibility. Right. Well, and and then you have the, the idea that, you know, it's... What are they actually stored on? I mean, you know, we yeah. oh, they're blockchain, yeah, but it's on somebody's Amazon server. <laughs> that whole thing. Right, so right. We won't I go. just thought it was interesting, yeah, that Johnson said crypto and AI are best friends. We're best friends. We wanna we wanna live forever or don't die, and we wanna collect overpriced JPEGs. Like this is Obviously, it's a natural match. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to support that comment. Okay, okay, go. Vermilio is using blockchain for its trace ID technology. Mm, right, right. So there is some type of kinship there. Well, I'm wondering, like, you're gonna. I, I, I'm a big actually believer in the fundamental base technology of blockchain. I don't think it's going to change the world, but the idea of it makes sense and all of the benefits of it. But it's almost to the point where I'm beginning to wonder that if Vermilio wants to get more venture capital, they might not want to say the word blockchain. <laughs> it's like we use a digital public ledger <laughs> certification technology. Oh, you use blockchain. No, we don't do blockchain. That's completely well, different. As long as they don't say token or coin, they should be fine. I, yeah, <laughs> I think you're kind of you're probably onto something there. Good golly, what a lovely place we live. Right. Um, okay, so yeah, you can get a billionaire's. Um, I don't know, is it like pictures of him or something? I don't that I don't I don't know if I I want. Well, that. one of them is looks like a picture of him, but it's like, you know, those old pictures of like showing the different parts of the cow. 
<laughs> yes. you know, something like that, which kind of took me. I'm like, what are they showing? And it's like different. It, it's not like the brain, the, the lungs, you know, it's, it, it just has different symbols and different words on it. Right, right. It looks like that. <laughs> Reconstructed man. Yeah, that's it. I, I don't think I want to invest in that. Right. But, uh, <laughs> good luck to the guy. He's got his fans and his followers. Um, <laughs> let's see. We have news from OpenAI. Now, I don't know if you've seen this, too. At, at, in your use of AI, I have as well, is that you would think that the technology just gets better and better, but I don't feel it does. And I feel like that they're switching, flipping knobs in the background sometimes, and it makes things worse. Like, oh, you know, this was really good at summarizing articles before. Now it's like complete garbage or like, like sometimes it could have a really good chat conversation with you. And sometimes you're like talking to an alien. So right. one of the things that's been coming up is these models, especially I think because of the, guardrails that they're putting in place so that it doesn't say something bad uh, is that it more and more frequently refuses to do what you ask it to do. And when you get that tension already, I'm like, okay, this is how we set up for, you know, the battle between AI and humans and we're all going to die. But, you know, you're like, hey, what can you do this? And it's like, just Google it yourself. Like, <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> People say that it's getting lazy. So what's going on? What is OpenAI trying to do here? Well, OpenAI is trying to fight the laziness by basically lowering the cost of tokens in order to use the service from a developer's standpoint. Um, and I and I I know what you're talking about because I've I've recently been talking to ChatGPT, and the responses I've been steadily getting less cohesive the longer you talk to it. <laughs> it's like talking to my grandpa. Right. Or, or it will just say, I can't answer your question. You know, like it'll give you some type of error message. I've been saying that a lot lately. And what this is trying to do is fix that. My, my thought is that you're not going to see this fixed until the litigation that OpenAI is going through with the authors, the New York Times, and all these other people claiming that their stuff is being used without permission until that's settled. And then once that's settled, you'll see a turnaround in this whole laziness discussion. You're dumbing it down so that there's no proof that you're doing what these people are saying you're doing. It's that's an interesting theory that it's like, because like people are getting good at basically proving that their content is inside <laughs> ChatGPT's model, even though they'll say it's not. It's like, no, it's a it's an abstraction of the information of a shape of your information. But no, you can get it to basically recreate what's in there. Um, that because they're putting all of these controls in place, that's what's making it dumber. That's 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 a fascinating thought. Well, that's I mean, and and to be fair, that's speculation on my part, because for one, you can't prove it anymore because it's, it's getting lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not going to help you. Right. But it seems odd to me. It seems odd to me that that's happening at the same time these litigations are happening. So it's like somebody, like you said, is turning a knob in the background that's turning down the efficiency of the model. I just think it's a heck of a coincidence if, if that's not related. Well, uh, I think because of the competitive landscape, I think you and I also use um, Anthrop Anthropic's uh, Claude AI and 
you know, people are really getting attached to Microsoft Bing, which I, I find fascinating in this day and age. But uh, I use I, I use it primarily for Microsoft points because you can buy Xbox cards. You're the only person I know who still collects those Microsoft <laughs> points. It's like collecting box tops for education. I'm sure that that's still a thing. But, I, refuse, oh my God. I refuse to pay for video game skins, so I will give you my types instead. I got it. Sort of like the... Sort of like the um, uh, I see points, but in any case, you mentioned, you mentioned Claude and I noticed something similar with, with Claude as well. So it's not just open AI. It's not just ChatGPT. There's something going on in the background of these popular models that unfortunately are making them at least right now, less efficient than they were a year ago. Well, before we wrap up this uh, fun conversation, I did want to go a little bit back to, we talked last week about the Eternal You documentary, and uh, I, I believe we also still discussed sort of the, the creator of the technology, the person who made the AI that people are using to recreate passed away loved ones so they can have conversations with them. Um, I thought that you got a, some really good insights into both why the filmmakers of that documentary, Eternal You, by the way, um, which premiered at Sundance, um, why they presented the things that the way that they did, but how the makers of the, the maker of this technology both said that that was misleading and also kind of explained like he didn't even set out to make a recreate your you know dead dad and talk to him kind of thing. Right. Uh, so I, I had an interesting interaction with Jason Roher uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Um, he's a creator of Project December, which is the AI featured in the documentary. So he's, he told me basically that the AI was never intended to be used to simulate the dead. The idea was for it to be like how Khan Academy has their uh, Conmingo AI that can simulate Abraham Lincoln Harriet Tubman and all these other historical people, it was supposed to be something like that. But what ended up happening was people started talking to it like it was the dead relative. Right. And so he said, okay, well, if that's what, what you want to use it for, we'll make that. And it, so that, that is definitely interesting to me. And what's also interesting is that he said he hasn't actually updated it in over three years. He just leaves it up because people still interact with it. And as far as the misleading part, you know, I, I've seen other documentaries have the same claims against them. Uh, sometimes it's a time constraint thing. Like we can't go into too much detail because we only have an hour for this documentary. Other right. times it's because we're trying to make a certain vibe of the documentary. So, you know, AI is coming to kill us is a great vibe. So we need to make, we're only going to show the worst bits of this interaction so you know he calls it misleading the uh people behind the documentary still haven't responded to us yet so we're not sure where they fall on on this conversation and we're more than happy to have that conversation with them we're more than happy to invite them for an interview um i think it will be a very good conversation as to their view on where AI is going and how people are using it. 
it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about ambient computing, where you're not getting your your phone telling you to look at this website. You're getting your phone to tell you to talk to it. Right. That's where you're going. You know, where this thing isn't an inanimate object anymore. It's your counselor. It's your, you know, digital girlfriend, digital boyfriend, you know, that kind of thing. It, we're, That's where we're progressing with all of this. Well, we'll keep an eye on that space. And I think that thanks to um, Black Mirror and everything else, and really human nature, we're going to see more and more of this. Whether someone is resurrected, though, against their will uh, is going to be a whole other sort of What's that? You know, post-apocalyptic <laughs> scenario. I was talking to some of my um, friends who study paranormal activity, and I showed them that. And their general consensus was: it's not as much as it's advertised as resurrecting our, the you know, the dead, quote unquote. It's more like programming an AI to respond with that person's personality. Mm-hmm. You know, like how I, you know, like if it was visible, visual, I talk a lot with my hands. So the AI you get back should talk with its hands in order to mimic me. Just be able to just, you know, spitting out responses, ChatGPT can do that. And ChatGPT does that kind of well once you put in your customized instructions. So it's going to be interesting once they begin putting faces to these different ai models mm-hmm. i think that's when you're going to start seeing a next level in this human to ai interaction that we're seemingly heading for and i think that uh, i'm pretty sure we i said this last week too but you know as we foster the age of the creator and everyone's just streaming video 24 7 and posting pictures of themselves the raw material to just basically someday push a button and get Jason Nelson 2.0 is is going to be pretty incredible. <laughs> Frightening but incredible. I think I think it's important to note that for all of these complaints about AI um you know AI companies uh, stealing things from we post a lot of stuff online for free. And we've been doing it since at least 2008 with Facebook. So I'm not sure what the actual complaint is. And I believe that's the defense these AI companies are going to be using. Because you put it out there for the public. You gave it to a third party. We didn't have to come to you. We went to them. Right. Their terms of service says that they own what you upload. It's going to be an interesting conversation about terms of service. What kind of stuff we put out into the internet. And who owns it after you do. Yeah, the shrink wrap issue. And certainly uh, if Facebook says that it co-owns all the content that you post, then someone doesn't need to ask you permission. They just have to ask Facebook for permission. (laughs) And I mean, that's like um, I was talking to um, a, a friend of mine who she's a writer and her thing was putting her first like two chapters on social media to get people's opinion on how is it? Well, Facebook gave it to OpenAI or gave it to one of these AI models. It can regurgitate what you put in there. Right. So it's like, okay, but did they steal it? Or yeah. did you give it to 
Facebook and Facebook gave it to them? That's a question that's going to need to be answered. Yeah, and as, as these services start to lock down because they see the value of the content that they're hosting, then you're going to get spe service specific AIs like Grok that can t access Twitter, but nobody else can access Twitter. Right. Oh, it's going to be just a, a world of factions and broken connections and all of that stuff. I love, by the way, that you said it all started in 2008 with Facebook. You're, that's how I know you and I are from a completely different <laughs> generation. I was publishing on Gopher Space, which was before the web in 1992. So, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's and that content is still out there. You can and, and I've actually used chat GPT and said right in the style of Ryan, Ryan Ozawa, and it can do it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of creepy. But that's because all of that stuff is already out there. I don't want it to I don't want to ask it to do that because it's going to have a lot of ums in it. <laughs> I feel that's that's uh, probable. <laughs> All right. Well, we've uh, burned another good half an hour here talking to Crypt AI. We on the back end should let you know we're slightly distracted because we're playing with a video interface so that this will eventually be live streamed also in addition to LinkedIn, where we are glad you're able to join us and uh, Twitter, the uh, app now known to some people as X, that, you know, we can also do this on Twitch. We can do it on YouTube. We can do it on Facebook. So we're very, very excited. But clicking all of these buttons and making everyone's head the wrong size and zooming in awkwardly on Jason, like, nope, I just zoomed in awkwardly on myself. You don't get to see any of that. So that's why we might be a little halting today. But stay tuned for this advance in technology. I want to put our website up, but of course, now I don't know how to do that. But Jason, uh, as I say goodbye, you should, you should too. But uh, where can people find more of what we're doing? All right, everybody, thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more and read our work and articles, you can go to decrypt.co. And we, Ryan and I, are under the Emerge Hub. You can find us at the top of the page. Fantastic. So we hope you'll join us next week, noon Eastern Time U.S., uh, every Wednesday for Decrypting AI. Mahalo and aloha. See you next week.